This is The Guardian. Today, the revolutionary diabetes treatment that could change the lives of tens of thousands of people. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. So from the moment I wake up, I look at my phone. My phone tells me my blood sugar levels. Get ready, like every normal person. Then it comes to breakfast. If I have cereal, what I do is I weigh the cereal out. You have to know the exact carbs. I've got to see what my blood sugar level is. Then I type that into my insulin pump. It can be very complicated at lunchtime if I decide to have a sandwich and a banana and a packet of crisps. Jade Byrne knows well what it takes to live with type 1 diabetes. She was diagnosed with this autoimmune condition when she was four years old. And she remembers how scary it was when the doctors told her how she hid from them on the hospital ward. In the more than 30 years since then, she's got used to a regime of recording how many carbohydrates there are in everything she eats and pricking her finger multiple times a day to test how much glucose there is in her blood. If you finger pricking, you finger prick first thing in the morning when you wake up, you finger prick before every meal, you finger prick before exercise, you finger prick before driving, you finger prick before you go to sleep on a night time, and if you just feel funny at any points in the day, it's a complete drain. It's really relentless. There's not a second of any day where I don't really think about it, ever. For Jade and the hundreds of thousands of other people across the UK with type 1 diabetes... There's promise. A revolutionary way of managing the condition, called a closed-loop system, has been approved by the health regulator, NICE. The closed-loop system is totally automated, meaning that people with one won't have to constantly make onerous manual checks on themselves in order to lead a normal life and even to stay alive. I... I get emotional about it like because I just think it's like it's the closest thing they've always said since I was diagnosed almost 34 years ago now and they've always said oh we're working towards a cure there'll be a cure in the next 10 years or whatever and I really don't think like it's really I'm not sure it'll happen in my lifetime but this is this is a step towards that it's not a cure but it's a way of us managing it without having to do as much managing, which is a great relief on our mental health and a great kind of weight off our shoulders as well. From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus, a new hope for diabetes care in the UK. Um, 
my name is Eddie Haig. And you're nine years old, is that right? Yeah, I'm nine. Okay. Can you remember when you were diagnosed with diabetes? I think I was about three, nearly four. I kept on going to the toilet. So I went to the doctors. They said, you might need to go to the hospital to just check. And then when I was there, they said, you you have diabetes. Did you understand what that meant? No. So how did they explain it to you? They kind of like told me that you'll have this like finger pricker that will take blood out of you. It will tell you what you are. And then I'll have sweets if I'm a bit down. I'm Ian Haig, I'm Eddie's dad. Can you tell me about that moment when you found out that Eddie had diabetes? Yeah, I still remember it. We were in Norfolk on holiday and as Ed said, he was going to Lou quite often. So we brought him back home. We thought, hang on a minute, we'll take him to the GP. About 25 minutes later, we're in A&E. Yeah, we're all a bit scary. Because you'd had no inkling before that? No, and there's no diabetes in the family whatsoever. Um, so we were trying to work out what was going on, really. They brought his levels back down. Um, but it was pretty much, this is how you manage it. This is what you need to do. You've got to learn how to do carb counting and everything. They'd only let him go if you let us inject him with insulin. What's it like having to inject your child? It's really horrible. So every time he had something to eat, you'd have to finger prick him. Then you'd have to manually work out how much insulin to give him. And then you'd put a needle onto the pen and put it onto the side of his thigh and just inject into it. Mm-hmm. And that could be up to six, seven times a day. Um, and then at night time, mm-hmm. that was quite nasty. That was like a turning, it's like a screwing system into it. So it'd put it onto his leg and it'd screw into his, into his leg, which he did not like at all. So how's that been for you at school, kind of managing all of that? Um, when I was in like the lower years, for so like year one, I had to go to the um, office and they felt like playtime or lunchtime or some math lessons or something. And then there was, I'd have a pen that would manually inject insulin into my body and then I'd have to have a bunch of finger pricks okay. that would test my blood and say if I'm low or high. What does it actually feel like to prick your finger? Um, it's, it's like kind of like a bee sting, but quite lower. But you can change it up so it would hurt a bit more <laughs> to take more blood. No one would want to do that, surely. <laughs> Dr Charlotte Boughton, you're a clinical lecturer in diabetes and endocrinology at the University of Cambridge and you're part of a team that's been developing new technology to help people with the condition, which we're going to talk about in a minute. It's it's really exciting what you've been working on. Firstly, we've all heard of this condition, but we might not know exactly what it entails. So, Would you mind first off explaining, what is diabetes? Diabetes is high blood glucose levels and most commonly we have type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Type 1 is an autoimmune condition which means that the body attacks itself and in the case of type 1 diabetes the body attacks the cells in the pancreas which control the amount of insulin that's being secreted by the pancreas and that which then controls the blood glucose levels. How are most people in the UK who have diabetes managing their condition at the moment? 
Currently, people with type 1 diabetes need to monitor their glucose several times a day, and they can either do that with doing a finger prick blood glucose check, or alternatively, they can use a glucose sensor, which is worn either on the back of the arm or the stomach. In terms of insulin treatment, people can either give several different injections a day, or alternatively, the insulin can be given via a pump, which constantly gives a small amount of insulin all the time and allows us to sort of better mimic what a healthy pancreas would be doing. And how onerous would you say those methods are? I think it's extremely challenging to manage type 1 diabetes every day without a break. Every time you are eating or doing activity, you have to think about the impact that your activity is going to have on your glucose levels and make a decision. And that constant decision fatigue, which doesn't just happen during the daytime, but can occur overnight as well, can be really relentless and lead to really significant burnout. There's no such thing as a holiday from your type 1 diabetes. What have been the difficulties in finding ways to regulate the symptoms of diabetes up to this point? The concept of being able to give insulin in response to glucose levels has been around for several decades, but the technology to allow us to do that reliably um, and accurately and safely has been lagging behind. So I think one of the biggest breakthroughs we've had most recently is the development of these glucose sensors. And I think that's really had the greatest impact on the way that we now manage type 1 diabetes and hopefully in the future also type 2 diabetes. Let's talk then about this technology you and your team at the university have been trialling. It's called a closed loop system, or people might have heard it referred to as an artificial pancreas. What exactly is it and how does it work? It combines three pieces of technology. One is a glucose sensor. They're very easy to insert. Lots of children insert their own and they just insert a small filament underneath the skin, which allows the sensor to read what the glucose levels are in the fluid around the cells. And it can send that information every five minutes to either a mobile phone or a receiving device. The second is an insulin pump. And the third part is the sort of cleverest part of it. It's a computer algorithm which can automatically calculate how much insulin is needed to keep the glucose in the target range. And that's potentially taking away a lot of stress from people and a lot of potential for error. How long has it taken to develop this artificial pancreas or closed loop system? So initial research was based on computer simulations of people before these devices were allowed to be trialled in human beings. And that probably started about 20 to 30 years ago. And once these computer programmes were deemed to be safe and able to keep the glucose in the target range with the computer programme, then we started doing trials in very heavily supervised situations. And then in more recent years, as these devices have been shown to be safe and effective, the studies have become a lot more reflective of what happens in the real world. How did you design your trial to encompass the needs of those different types of patients? 
So over the last 15 years, we've done um, lots of different trials, really focusing on different age groups, all the way through from very young children with type 1 diabetes through to older adults with type 1 diabetes. And more recently, we've also been looking at people with type 2 diabetes as well. So there have been lots of trials not only carried out by our research group, but others internationally as well, which have really helped build a um, very good body of evidence to support that these systems are, are safe and effective. So one of our larger studies focused on very young children with type 1 diabetes because the impact can be really significant not just on the young child but also their family, their parents or caregivers and siblings as well. In Cambridge I was with Eddie at the cafe where his dad Ian works. Eddie was sipping a can of lemonade while we chatted about his being part of the trial that Charlotte and her team at the university had been running. Eddie was wearing a Paris Saint-Germain hoodie. They're his favourite football team. And over the front of it, he'd slung a nylon bum bag, which contained part of the closed-loop system he's now using. Can I have a look? OK, so it's like a little black box and it's got a touch screen on it. So what can we see now? I can see a load of numbers. What are those numbers? So that's how many units, and then this will be grams. So that's units of carbohydrate. So is that what you've logged this morning? What did you eat this morning? Um, I had a bit of toast and some orange juice. Okay. And then it's you can swipe on the touchscreen. And what does that show us? So this shows you how many units and stuff in the battery. Yeah, so that's how many units of insulin are going into him at the moment. And so then that is attached to a wire... Isn't it? And where's that wire going? It goes into my thigh. That tests my levels. Mm-hmm. So it's on a cannula, injected into Eddie every three days. Right. So that goes into his top of his thigh, administers the insulin, and then the phone. Oh, yeah. Can you show me the phone? So on the phone. It's quite a chunky flip phone, isn't it, with a touch screen? This is what my levels are now. 11.6. What does that mean, then? What does 11.6 That mean? means I'm quite high. So that's if I'm going up, down, or I'm all right. That's his blood sugars, that's his blood glucose. If it was me or you, it should be between four and seven. Right. So it is, yeah, pretty high. I mean, it, it can go, but when he was first diagnosed, he was 30 plus. So the arrow is saying that he is going up slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we should do... What we, what we will do, it's got a boost function, mm-hmm. so it, it tells the pump to go faster to control his levels. So you just hit the boost, the insulin. So the algorithms learn, try to keep him around about 5.8. Mm. Always trying to work him to that sort of level. Yeah. Um, so the phone is the real, this is very precious, it's the device we need. I have a bump bag that has all my equipment in, and it'll have like fruit pastels that I eat if I go quite low. So that's your choice of snack to pick yourself up. I thought the bum bag was just for style. <laughs> it's looking good. And you're, you're very sporty, aren't you? Uh, yes. So how do you have to manage your diabetes around sport? Um, what I normally do, I'll take my pump off so it does not, never, it won't give me any more insulin. Okay. And so then once you've stopped running around, do you then have to put the pump straight back on? Uh, yeah, I will put the pump straight back on. And my doctor told me um, after I finished sports, I would have to do like a quick run around so it would like warm down with the pump on. Oh, okay. 
when this trial came along, it really sort of picked up on it and really enjoyed being part of a trial and showing people and talking about it. And he talked to people at the school about it and people here in the cafe, they ask him, how's it all going and things like that. So it's really changed completely, which has just been really amazing. What has it meant to you? It's life changing because from waking up four to five times a night, the system sends text messages to our phones. So in the night, if he's going high or low, it'll send us a message, which will bleep, then we just wake up and sort him out. And because the algorithm's there and it's learning, it's sort of keeps under control anyway. So it's only when there's peaks and troughs we have to intervene. So yeah, we've got to sleep back, which is good. <laughs> and he can go out and play. Um, school's a lot easier because he sort of manages it himself. And it's given him his freedom back, which is great. Do you feel like it's changed your life? Yeah, a, a bunch. Because when, as I said, like I, I'd have to prick quite a lot of times a day, maybe like five to ten times a day. But now I just have a phone and that puts it in for me. Yeah, it's been brilliant, hasn't it? We've been very, very lucky. The experiences of people, including Eddie, and the hundreds of others who've taken part in the University of Cambridge trials, has shown that the closed-loop system works. NICE, the UK health regulator, has now approved it, and NHS England has said it'll make these devices available to around 100,000 people who have type 1 diabetes. Professor Partha Carr You're a consultant in diabetes and endocrinology at Portsmouth Hospital Trust, and you're also an advisor on diabetes to NHS England. What is it about this closed-loop system that has so impressed you? It's taking type 1 diabetes away from the usual rigmarole. What this is doing is it's moving to making most of it automated. The fundamental for me is that it changes your quality of life. Why would you prick your finger if you don't need to? It's not the full artificial pancreas, but it's a far cry away from where a lot of people are at the moment. You've got years of experience working with people who have diabetes. What would you say are the main challenges of treating them? People living with diabetes or any chronic disease, for the matter, have actually got very little time with their clinician. Believe it or not, a person with diabetes will have three or four appointments a year. And that is 0.01% of their life, right? And I think the main challenge is, well, how do we give people tools so that they can deal with their chronic disease better? And in my philosophy is that, look, if we can really, really press the sort of button on self-management tools, which is what this technology is about, so you live with the condition better and you encourage peer support, which is, again, this is what the technology does, then you are in a very different space. What are the main risks then? What sort of outcomes have you seen among patients if they haven't been able to manage their condition to a a great extent? I mean, the main things that you look at in the immediacy, you have more admissions. People get ill. People are not sure where their blood sugars are. They don't have the tools to sort of deal with it. So you've got rise in admissions. And overall, your control isn't great, which reflects in then people coming with eye problems, which leads to blindness. You've got food problems, which leads to amputations. You've got kidney problems leading to ending up on dialysis. And also the issues with pregnancy in women, which all have a bearing. So that's what we do or have seen in the past. And that's what we're trying to tackle. 
You're not only talking to patients in Portsmouth where you work, but you're also very active on social media, aren't you? Spreading information about diabetes treatment and talking to people across the country who have the condition. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it makes me accessible. And it also gives you uh, insight into people's lives. You can see people talking to each other, trying to learn from each other and the benefits that you're getting. So it's, it's a nice forum to observe. It's a nice forum to engage. Welcome to Pricks. Fast asleep. Resting your head, across the landing there's a demon in bed. You awake to that noise that only you know. It's your little girl. She's having a hypo. I'm Jade Byrne. Um, lots of people know me as Pricks because of my work in the type 1 diabetes community as a type 1 diabetes advocate. This is Jade. She lives in Darlington in the northeast. She's a theatre maker. And what you're hearing now is an excerpt of her play, Pricks, which tells the stories of people living with diabetes. One experience that's shared in the play, and it can be a scary experience, is having what's called a hypo. I asked Jade to explain what that feels like to her. So hypo is low blood sugar. It's different for every person with type 1. But as a type 1, you often feel, I feel really hot and confused. I get really sweaty. I'm not really making sense. I don't sometimes don't feel like I've got any energy to put like one foot in front of the other. And I feel like my, it feels like almost like your body's breaking down. And from the outside looking in, it might look like the person's really drunk or on drugs or whatever. And in that moment, what you need is you need some sugar, you need some carbohydrates, but you need quick acting ones. Tell me, tell me about that, how you've been sort of perceived when you've been going through that. I um, had a hypo at the local leisure centre. I'd been for a sports massage. I thought I was walking a straight line coming out of this massage, um, but I soon realised that my blood sugar was low. But I remembered to put my hand on the wall. And the people that worked at Softplay had seen me, came running out and said, are you okay? And I said, no. I said, I've got type 1 diabetes. I think my blood sugar's low. They immediately grabbed, they brought me so much stuff. Like they brought me apple juice. They brought me giant cookies. They brought yes. <laughs> loads out. They got, got a chair for me to sit on. And I just felt in that moment, once I came round a bit, I just needed to burst into tears. Like mm. I was trying so hard not to cry because I was so embarrassed. So once I'd come round and I said, thank you so much, thank you so much kind of thing, I walked around the car and went straight into girls' toilets and just burst into tears. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I can imagine how embarrassing that would feel when that happens. Yeah, it is. In my show, Pricks, there's a scene I'm saying to other people, I wish you had to feel this. And I say, one of the lines was, I wish you would feel how mortified, absolutely damn right ashamed of yourself, how you feel like so bad you couldn't look after yourself properly. And and I say all that in the play, and that says, is how it feels, it's embarrassing. It is. So by touring the play... And then I can have chocolate. <laughs> I'm type 1 diabetic, not type 2. And I can eat cake. And doing your activism on social media as well. You must have spoken to so many people who have type 1 diabetes. What have you heard about the ways in which people are managing the condition and 
kind of across the country, the the type of access they have to the technology that's going to help them? I find it really difficult because my consultant's fantastic. My foundation trust is fantastic. I've never, ever not been able to get the tech that I want and need. But there are areas of the country that really um, don't like to give insulin pumps out. And it is changing. It's definitely changing. It's definitely got better. But it is still a bit of a postcode lottery. It's not fair. Jade, you haven't got access to um, one of the closed loop systems yet, but do you have a sense of whether and when you'll be able to get one? This in should be coming this summer, and that feels so exciting because I've just been so desperate for it. I'm so desperate. I like literally. I feel like it's the most exciting thing that will just massively massively change how my body feels on a daily basis it'll make me Mm. less tired it'll relieve a lot of the mental stress and is that going to enable you do you think to do more things in your life are there things that you're not able to do at the moment because you're having to spend so much time and mental energy on managing the condition if I could take away all the times that I'm looking at my phone entering numbers into my insulin pump getting that time back is probably the most valuable thing that Mm. I'm I'm going to get from it. And yeah, sleep. <laughs> Sleep's super important. I think with the, this system, what will happen is when your pump sees that your blood sugar's dropping, it'll automatically cut off your background insulin or reduce it accordingly so that hopefully it doesn't ever hit the hypo stage. Amazing. Um, it's, it's incredible. The technology is incredible. And are you going to be able to get that free through the NHS? The whole nice review around the hybrid closed loop systems, that's the aim. It's working Mm. out how can they make it affordable enough so that they can offer it to all people with type 1 diabetes. Coming up, when will everyone who needs this revolutionary technology get it? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist 
and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Charlotte, you've run years of trials with the closed loop system, giving it to people of different ages, and you've shown through those that it's safe and that it's beneficial. What else do you need to prove in order to get the NHS to provide it to people across the country? In order for us to have it accessible to people um, on the NHS, then NICE, who are responsible for uh, generating guidance as to who should have access to this technology, carry out lots of assessments to check whether this is cost effective for people. And they have lots of different approaches to doing that, looking at the health economic and the quality of life benefits, in addition to the health benefits that have been demonstrated We currently have a technology report on closed loop systems, which is out for consultation at the moment. So we hope that things are going to move very fast and make this technology more widely available. At the moment, that consultation is not making this technology available for everybody, but it includes some criteria. And we would much prefer that it was completely accessible to everybody to ensure equity of access. What is the criteria that NICE has set out? At the moment, it's anybody who has an HbA1c, which is a a blood test which measures what somebody's average glucose has been over the last three months. Above um, 8% would be eligible for this technology. And that's higher than what NICE recommend that people's HbA1c is um, in in management of type 1 diabetes. But obviously, people have to take into consideration the potential cost implications as well. So there is consultation on this and and we hope that the criteria will be as widely available as possible. Well, how much does each artificial pancreas cost? Um, So an insulin pump costs somewhere around about £2,000 to £3,000 and lasts for four years. Glucose sensors cost around about £80 to £100 a month. And then when you combine both of them, you you have your closed loop system or or you can have the additional cost of an algorithm on top of it. And in approving that, NICE, are they saying we do think this is cost effective compared to the, the way we're currently treating people with type 1 diabetes? In the current report, they've acknowledged that they um, that it is effective um, and better than what's currently available. But the current cost is such that they don't feel that they could make it available to everybody with type 1 diabetes. And that can always be um, quite challenging because there's then an arbitrary cutoff point at which point certain people with type 1 diabetes wouldn't have access to this technology, which, as we've discussed, is life-changing. And I think as a healthcare provider, I find that quite difficult to say to people, actually, your glucose control is too good to make this technology available to you and it doesn't really capture what how hard they're working to have really good glucose control and it 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 doesn't quite feel like it's equity and access which is really important. We've been speaking about type 1 diabetes but the vast majority of people 
with diabetes in this country, in fact, 90% have type 2 diabetes, which can be brought on by lifestyle factors like eating too much fatty or sugary food or not exercising enough. The prevalence of that condition is increasing. And according to the charity Diabetes UK, one in three adults could be at increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes by 2030. You've been trialling the closed-loop system on people with type 2. How are the considerations different for them? The system that we've developed for people with type 2 diabetes is slightly different to the one that's the ones that are being used for people with type 1 diabetes, where when people have a meal, they still need to calculate the amount of carbohydrate in it and tell the pump that they're eating and to administer the insulin. The system that we've developed for people with type 2 diabetes is a fully automated system. So the person just needs to wear the devices and everything will be done automatically and has led to really fantastic improvements in people's glucose control in a, in a very recent study that we did. That sounds absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's definitely an area that we're excited to move this technology into. Partha, I want to talk about your role on a national level as an advisor to NHS England because you can have an influence on what kinds of diabetes treatments the NHS funds. As we said earlier, NHS England has said that it will be making the closed-loop system available to around 100,000 people with type 1 diabetes. That's fewer than half the people who have the condition in this country how well are we doing in terms of making technology available to patients? We were really one of the laggards as far as uptake of technology goes, right? So if I go back to 2018, uh, we had, what, 1% or 2% of type 1 diabetes patients on any form of non-invasive technology, right? So you everybody was still pricking their fingers. Right now, wow. we have about 83% of people who are on some form of non-invasive technology in type 1 diabetes, and that's a absolutely phenomenal rise. And there's very few countries who'll be able to do that, uh, especially with a system that we have, which is fully tax funded. So that's a big thing. The closed loop itself, a lot of countries have been looking at us going like, so where are we right now? Because that again is a big leap. So those are big numbers, which most countries would be struggling to match. For anybody listening to this, who's living in Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland, should they have a hope if they have type 1 diabetes, that they'll be able to access the closed-loop system through the NHS in the near future as well? 100%. If I'm honest, it's got a whole sense of inevitability around it because this is happening, right? This is the future of type 1 diabetes and this is where we are heading towards. So it's going to be a game-changer for many, many people. And Jay, just finally, I know you were diagnosed when you were so young which must have been quite scary. If you could think back to being that little girl, imagining a future where you wouldn't be having to inject yourself every day, how do you think you'd feel? I think it would still be as scary a diagnosis of type 1 diabetes. It is always going to be a trauma, but life is a lot easier than it was back then or it was just like even five six years ago life's a lot easier with these devices now 
it is very, very exciting what's happening at the moment. Thanks to Jade Byrne, Professor Partha Carr, Dr Charlotte Boughton and to Eddie and Ian Hay. I really enjoyed our conversations. This episode was produced by Ruth Abrahams and sound designed by Solomon King. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. A third of students are less than happy about their university choice, new research by EY has revealed. The findings suggest that a digital rethink is essential to meet the expectations of students and staff. Universities can address this by putting the needs of the people they serve at the heart of their digital strategies. Learn more about the future of human-centered higher education at theguardian.com forward slash transforming higher education. This message was paid for by EY.